always take the opportunity each day to look around you and see what is there in your life, whether it's just something in nature, whether it's the people around you, but never miss an opportunity each day, even if it's just for five minutes, to be grateful for something in that day because we never know our last day. We're chatting with end-of-life planner Deb Martin from debmartin.net, and we're going to be just discussing this topic of what to do when we have those relatives or those elderly people in our family or even ourselves to have that end-of-life plan and embrace tomorrow and provide clarity and direction for that sometimes uncertain future. But as long as we can do our best and plan and prepare, then the future will be a little bit less scary and a little bit more manageable when those unexpected life changes happen. And so we're going to find out what questions we don't even know we need to be asking, and we'll find out the answers to our existing questions. Deb, glad to be speaking with you. Morning, Robert. Glad to be speaking with you. Yeah, well, we're having a good time here. And so if someone says, all right, Deb, what do you do? What's the elevator pitch? How can you help me? How are you different? What's the answer? I help people put together their end of life plans so they have clarity and direction. Because when a loved one passes away, the last thing we need is tension, confusion, conflict in our family. When you put together an end of life plan and have all that in place, the loved ones just then need to enact those directions. And that takes a lot of pressure off them when they're in that season of grief. Fantastic. And that is a, a place where we want to be. It's already stressful enough dealing with the sudden loss and the arrangements and the family members and the personalities clashing and who wants to add to that the uncertainty and just the, the driving yourself crazy of, of saying, would they have wanted this? Did they write anything down? Did Can someone remember something that was said eight years ago offhandedly about what the plans were? And then so as far as this end of life plan, if someone has not heard of this concept or maybe they think they've heard of it, but they're not exactly sure what the pieces are, what is an end of life plan? What's in it? Robert, in an end of life plan, there's many things and I'm surprised how many people do not have an end of life plan. The most people I speak to in life, the more I realize they uh, don't consider this. And an end of life plan can consist of many things. It can consist of all your important contacts, your essential contacts. Even if you've become critically unwell or in a serious accident, and uh, there's, you can put together your healthcare choices that you would like, even while you're still living, if you're unable to make those choices. It covers all your legal documents that you need in life. It covers also even all your household matters, what you want to happen with all your belongings and even go through the process of decluttering even before your final day. Also covers things like a legacy. What legacy would you like to leave for your family? It covers many things that people don't realize. Many different possibilities. Like you said, there may be the sudden death or the gradual decline or even something unexpected, right? You might be young and get hit by a car and be not fully capable. And you wish that you would have put in some of the legal and just your wishes, et cetera, into writing. And so when this topic comes up when people, when you speak to people about this end of life plan, what's the usual 
attitude? Are people nervous about it? Are they avoiding? Are they, are they excited about it? What When someone just jumps into this for whatever reason, what's their emotional state? If it's my parents and myself, we have a lot of fun talking about this topic. We have done so for 13 years now. That's a very open topic in my family, but I am so surprised how it, a lot of it comes down to also culture and beliefs, different backgrounds, especially Asian cultures will find it very difficult to talk about this subject. And just people in general find it very hard. They don't want to talk about death and dying. Uh, but I see it as just a very natural part of life. We are born and we prepare for birth. And I also see it as being wise to live life to the fullest and then have also be prepared for death, just as we do when we prepare for birth. When we have six children and in a pre-pregnancy, I prepared for that birth. I was ready for that day and I never knew when that day was coming, the birthday of each of my children. And it's the same with passing away. And I've walked that journey myself with a loved one, a very close loved one, and um, my late husband of 20 years. And we didn't know that day was coming. And it's important to plan for that, even for young people, because uh, quite often we can have businesses, we can have investments, and the loved ones need to know how, what to do in those important situations if you're running a business and you suddenly pass away. What do your loved ones do with that entity and where do they find your investments? So it's a, an essential part of life that I see it as. And I also see it as giving a gift to your family. For example, because I'm a widow, my parents have all my final wishes, all in place, right down to the finest details, what I would like in my funeral plan. Uh, so that when that day comes, they just need to pull out my workbook, my full workbook, and be able to just enact what my wishes are. And they don't have to make those hard decisions with my children. That it is a very helpful gift to avoid that chaos, confusion, frustration. If it's just as simple as you, you open that book and the list is right there, that seems like a, a very peaceful thing to do for someone. And I like your logic, how you're saying if you're planning for a birth, of course, you'd have the crib ready. You'd have the blankets and the baby clothes and the room ready. It would be beyond ridiculous to give birth and say, oh, geez, now I need to figure out all, all these things, you would have many things prepared. It's if you were going on a vacation without luggage, oh, I'll just buy a luggage there. No one does that. that that's completely crazy. But then when you're headed towards the, on this, the, the ultimate vacation, the ultimate trip of death, then why would you not have anything prepared? And what is the first jumping off point here? Should someone maybe write a few ideas down and then meet with someone like you or meet with someone like you completely blind going into it? If someone says, okay, what's just like the first or second step? How do I even start this process? What would you say? Uh, it's, it's not as daunting that the many people I speak to in the community and abroad don't know where to start. And it's one of those things, they just put it off and think one day, one day I will. But death is inevitable. No one escapes death here on earth. 
it's it's just a part of being born and living and we eventually pass away. People do tend to put that on the shelf and go, especially younger people, and think, I don't need that yet. I'm not elderly. Uh, but even elderly people, I'm surprised. My mother was only sharing yesterday one of her friends, and my parents are in their 80s now, and they still have many friends that don't even have a will, which just astounds me, really astounds me. And it's quite a simple process to start, uh, especially I have a very simple program that you can start very simply and you can start wherever you're at. You don't have to have any prep done already. I can simply guide you through that process and we can start with easy things. I have eight different areas that I work in and um, it's just a simple guideline that I take you through. And provide all the documents. Excuse me. That's okay. So that that's helpful. So that way, someone can start with the easy things. And I like that a lot because if someone just sees some little progress happening, then they could be motivated and encouraged to continue. And when they just answer the the quick and easy questions that you provide, then they're just they're already on their way. And so. It seems like you said you and your parents, your, your family, you enjoy this sort of thing. It, it's fun for you. And how can we tap into some of that energy? If someone out there, like you said, they've been dreading it, they've been delaying it, they've been putting it off. They say, I've got all these more important things to do. I have to mow the lawn. I have to go to the dentist. And here, here you are saying that death is inevitable and it's important and you don't want to be unprepared. But if someone out there just says, I know all that, but I'm just not excited about it today. Is there some kind of way to get jazzed up, amped up, and just ready to jump into this idea? Robert, it's like anything. It's taking that first step. And sometimes that first step is the most daunting. But I think when you've got someone to work with you and guide you through along the way, some of the one had experience, as I said, I started around 30 years ago when I purchased my first home with my late husband. We bought our first home and my parents were straight away, you need a will. And then a couple of years later, we had our first child and my parents were back again. Okay, you have a child now. You both pass away. What do you want to happen? What are the arrangements? And so over the years, we've worked more and more. My late husband and myself and my parents have just continually, the Pentaf Life Plan is a working, living document. It's never final because we get married, we get divorced, we our circumstances change, we add investments, we change bank accounts. And so it's always an open living document. And once you've got the core of it done, it can just be gone back and go back into it and just date little details as they change in life. And I find that probably about once a year is a good guideline to just recheck through your details. And then my parents and I, we actually swap our documents thing so that we've always got a copy for one another. But Robert, I think having lived this experience myself, so 13 years ago, my husband got given a terminal diagnosis and he had a very short time to live. And I was, we were both so grateful that we had our basic end of life plans in place. But we were able to sit down and go into great detail. We didn't just focus on him because he had his diagnosis. We just put all that aside 
and we both sat down because I didn't know when my last day is either. So we both sat down and went into greater detail that and documented all of that. And I can guarantee you, I have experienced the difference it makes when you lose your loved one. And we had been together for 20 years. And when you're in, and I had six young children, aged three to 14, when Pete passed away, and I was able to just on autopilot, basically, because you're in your season of grief, I was able to get out all the details and just put them into action. And what that actually did, Robert, also was it enabled us to celebrate his life because I wasn't so stressed about making decisions and trying to work out how to do things and talking to family members, shall we make this choice or that choice? All those choices and decisions were already made. So therefore, I was able to focus on celebrating his life, especially in that first week when we're putting together a funeral and the focus was joy in celebrating the life that he lived and all the people and family came together, friends and family came together to celebrate his life in a joyous way because there was no pressure. I was not under stress. I was breathing, but I was not stressed. Wonderful. And you always think of focus in like a productivity sense, but this is great because focus during the, the grieving process can be very helpful. Who, who wants to be grieving and then have this added stress and not getting sleep and always just try and forgetting things and trying to juggle many tasks when you can just focus on the celebrating. And it seems like, so I'm what's going on in my head here is that maybe there's like maybe three kind of phases, right? There might be like the newbie phase, where someone says, I'm just getting started, I'm, I'm inching into it, I'm getting this plan built up. And then there's maybe the middle established phase where you said you reconnect with your family once per year on this topic and swap plans and then figure out like what fine tuning there is or what to change or what can be added. And that itself just seems like a very calm process because you just say, if I did nothing, it would still be a pretty good plan, but we're just keeping it up to date. And then it seems like the maybe third phase would be life changes or life events of any kind. You mentioned things like the terminal diagnosis, but it might be having a child, might be buying a home, just when anything in your life changes, when there's anything of added value as far as, as your assets, where if you died, it might go to waste, right? It might go to waste on probate or on lawyers or people might not know what to do with the business and it might die. And so this way you Definitely. have a plan for it to go. And so this way you have the peace of mind when the inevitable does happen, whenever that is. And this way you can just use, so it seems like the answer here is to use the life events to trigger the planning, right? If someone says, oh, will I really want to get my life plan figured out next month on a Tuesday? Maybe not. But if there is the, the expectation of a, a new member of the family or some kind of life change, maybe that can be the motivation behind getting this done. And so as far as the, the end of life plan, what's great about this sort of thing is that there's so much information out there, right? There's so much research, so much reading people can do. But do you feel, is there anything that's not discussed enough about an end of life plan in your opinion? Many areas are secret. Most people don't realize if you have a will, so 
people will go and, and get a will done, especially if they purchase a home. But if you get married, that will is cancelled. And same again, if you have a will and you get divorced, that will is cancelled. And many people don't realise that. So if you happen to pass away and and a major event has happened in your life, you actually don't have an active living will. And therefore, your family's still left with an, no planning. And so it's, it is important to look at different life events and, and be aware of those so there can be changes. And this is where when you have someone to come alongside you and help you put together a plan, they're aware of different things like this right? so that people aren't caught caught out with being in a difficult situation. And That's very, I think, very good to know. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Most people don't know that Robert. Yeah. That it can just be, be canceled out like that. And, but, and it's, and it makes sense because if you made your will 10, 20 years ago and then went through all these life changes, would that really make sense? You're not the same person you were 10, 20 years ago. So all the more reason to update it and treat it like this, living document as you've been mentioning it. So we've been uh, getting all this kind of helpful information from you about this end of life plan. And as far as just your life experiences, you've been through all of the raising the kids, you've been through the grief, you've been through the ups and downs of life. Do you have any life advice in general in any category that you feel like to impart on people? Yeah. I'm a great believer when it comes to end of life planning, that leaving a lasting legacy is a major part of your end of life plan. And I always look for opportunities for memories, either writing letters to my children, um, each Christmas I write a letter to them and for them to put away and for photos, recording things. And because we really don't realize, my children happened to find an old video of their dad a couple of weeks ago, and they were laughing at the silly things he was doing in that video. But then I heard one of them from the other room, I was listening to them laugh, and one of them said, do you know what? I forgot what dad's voice sounds like. And so that was just a reminder to me of the value of putting the time in of having videos and photos and writing letters. Uh, we have this little tiny little post-it note that my late husband had written on and left in the garage in his workshop uh, with notes on it. It was just notes for him in the shed. But that, that's been put away and treasured by my kids because it has his handwriting on it. And he's, he had written letters to them also, even just during life. And so I, I find great value in looking, trying to see generationally and leaving a lasting legacy because we really don't realize how much impact it has until someone actually has passed away. And once that happens, it's then too late to actually capture memories or just to have that handwritten note from that person. If I could leave people with anything, it's, it's take a fresh look at today at what could you capture today to just to create a memory for your loved ones tomorrow? I think that's very important. That, that's very powerful. It's easy to treat today as ordinary, but today is all there is. And you sometimes think about what, what would I do? What would I say if I could time travel 10 or 20 years ago 
and talk to that relative that's passed away. If, if I could time travel, time travel does exist. It's what you do today. You can do something today. And then in 10, 20 years from now, then your loved ones could have that handwritten note or that video recording or that audio recording from you. Something very simple that you might think is just run of the mill and plain ordinary today. But in the years ahead, when there's nothing left of you, and that's all there is left, then that could be something that someone could really cherish and, and really appreciate. And we just, we don't realize it because we're too caught in in the in the day to day, we're not thinking too much about the future. But if we thought a little bit more about the future, not so much that we're stressed, but enough to plan and consider this end of life plan and just what happens after our die. And you mentioned about your legacy and what you leave behind and just consider these thoughts, then that's just a a helpful mental exercise for someone to partake in. And so if someone says, okay, this end of life plan idea, I love it. I want to pursue it. And they've, they found this podcast or this video already, and they've made it to the end and they picked up some advice, but they say, I want to continue the conversation and I want to contact you, Deb, and figure out more of what I don't know. How can someone do that? What's the next step? And how can someone strike up a conversation with you? Very easily, they can just go to debmarter.net and on my website, there's a contact form to contact me and people can just email me and get in touch and I can connect with them and start a conversation. That's all it starts with as a conversation. And that's all end of life planning is, is conversations, making, just looking at what the questions are in life, what do I need to put down that will help my loved ones and having conversations with yourself, making those decisions, but then also having conversa open conversations with your family and loved ones. It makes all the difference. And I, well, if I can just mention, I've over the years, over the last 15 years, I have journeyed with numerous women who have most, they had, their husbands have had terminal diagnosis and eventually have passed. And I've seen both sides. I've seen where there have been end-of-life plans in place and they've been prepared. I've also seen women who have been left with no plan in place. And I've even a very dear, close family member lost her husband unexpectedly. There was no terminal diagnosis. There was no time to prepare. Just one day he was there and the next day he wasn't. And I saw, and that was just before my late husband passed away. And we were able to witness the vast difference between being prepared for that day and not being prepared because it was devastating. There were no goodbyes. There was no end of life plan in place. The documents weren't updated and it left a terrible mess, especially being a blended family. And it caused a lot of trauma, a lot of trauma the ongoing years. And so I've seen firsthand, and that's why I'm so passionate about this topic. I've seen firsthand the difference it makes in having an end of life plan up to date and in action. That is food for thought, that there, there are two choices in front of us to not have a plan or to have a plan. And not having a plan means unneeded stress for our family members, 
and just not even sure what will happen. And then a, a plan means that we have had some of these simple conversations and that some of these things are, are written down and that th there is not as much confusion and certainty about what should happen. And then you, you've left your legacy. And so if this sounds like something that you should be pursuing, which it is because death is inevitable and we never know when it is our time, then this is something to pursue and look into and at least get the process started so that way you don't get overwhelmed and say, I have to do this to-do list of 200 things. We'll just get the process started. Just answer a few questions. And before you know it, you will be well on your way to figuring out this end of life plan with Deb Martin at debmartin.net. So go there now to get that conversation started. And as we're wrapping up uh, this really profound life conversation we're having here, Deb, do you have, just to make sure that we end on a, a really powerful note, do you have a favorite lesson, saying, quote, moral, anything like that come to mind as far as your favorite? Oh, we never know when our last day is. And so we need to make the most of today. Awesome. I love it. That's, my life. That's how I've always tried to live my life over the last 30 years. Always take the opportunity each day to look around you and see what is there in your life, whether it's just something in nature, whether it's the people around you, but never miss an opportunity each day, even if it's just for five minutes, to be grateful for something in that day, because we never know our last day. Beautiful. Gratitude. And as you are pursuing and experiencing and thinking about this gratitude, go to debmartin.net, look into your end of life plan to have clarity and direction. And we'll see you there, debmartin.net. And thank you very much, Deb, for discussing this heavy conversation topic, but it can be fun and it can be exciting and it can be positive and empowering if we let it. So thank you for being a positive person about this. Thank you, Robert. <laughs>